Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out my YouTube channel today. Dr. Grajetsky, thank you so much for coming on today. Would you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, I studied Egyptology in Berlin at the Free University in the 1980s. And for my PhD, I moved to the Humboldt University, which is a second or in another university in Berlin where you can study Egyptology. There you have to know a little bit the history of Berlin. Berlin was a divided city and it became united. And suddenly Berlin had two Egyptology departments. So <laughs> I moved for the PhD to, to the, the, the Humboldt University, which is the second oldest chair of Egyptology in the world, so far as I remember. <laughs> and there I made my PhD on administration of the Middle Kingdom, of the Middle Bronze Age is around the time, let's say, from 2000 BC to 1700 BC. And I focused my PhD on the highest officials. So I looked at the people really directly around the king. So my main aim, honestly, was from the beginning just to make a list of these people. Nobody ever did a list. So who was around the king and I collected data about about 300 people oh, which I think wow. it's just a, it's 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 just a fraction of the people who 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 were in office office at this time so most mostly these people are lost for us and uh, we don't know very much about these people so a lot of objects I, I think one one quarter of the objects I have from these people are just scarab seals they're very small wow. so there's just the name written on it and the title so we don't know very much about most of these people but some people we have inscription on tombs or inscription when they made an expedition uh, to to a mining area or a military expedition and then they write something they go to let's say to a mining area and there are rocks and they're have officials or craftsmen and they're writing they, they have long text written about why they're in this area so this gives some kind of information about these people so i tried to collect so on one side i tried to collect say look at who were these people around the king what and what did they do what was their their, their main task and the thing is quite often if we, if we have longer inscriptions, we can say something about them and their tasks. So it's not always about who was this person and this particular person. The main thing is, first of all, finding out what a particular, particular title in ancient Egyptian inscription, what was the function of this person. So for some people, it was pretty easy because yeah. they left long inscriptions and several of them left several inscriptions or, or for or so we can reconstruct fairly well what was the task and for other people i don't have any inscription so we can only guess so there That's i mean one example is is a title called the the, the controller of the broad hall and yeah that's it <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, you need your imagination. So uh, I have the title. I try to find out what the broad hall is. It's a hall in the palace. But what does it? What, what did he do? So did he 
walked around with a broom and cleaned the hall, which is unlikely <laughs> as a high official. So did, was he responsible for, for the officials coming in, put them in the right place? We just don't know, because none of these people left an inscription where they say what they do. Interesting. Even if they have inscription, it's quite complicated with, I don't know, with ancient Egyptian inscriptions. So people left officials, left inscriptions, tombstones, where they wrote what they did in life. But the, 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 these, these inscriptions, they can be sometimes quite misleading, because mm -hmm. sometimes they tell you about special events in their life. So it's, imagine you, you have a, a, you're the home secretary in the US, and he goes on a mission to, let's say, to the UK to, 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 do, to, to have some talks, and Gal comes back, and we find on a tombstone, 5,000 years later, he went to the UK. <laughs> and then you read he was a home or the his title was home office secretary or whatever. And then people do, will not have much more information. And they will think, oh, the home office secretary was a man going around from one country to another <laughs> to talk to the people. Right. I understand what I mean. So inscription can be quite misleading. So you think you, you have an inscription or two inscriptions that tell what these people did in their life. But we really don't know. If was it something they did regularly, something what was connected to their regular task, or is it a very special event which has nothing to do with the title we have in the inscriptions? I've studied Greek administration, Roman administration, uh, administration in the Middle Ages, and so ancient Egyptian administration is actually something I don't know a lot about, and so I'm really interested in this, and I know I'm not alone in that, so I'm sure there's some of my subscribers that'll love this, so that's why I uh, have guests like you come on, because y'all can really basically guide us through a uh, higher outlook on ancient and medieval history. So yeah. take us through your area of expertise of the ancient Egyptian administration in the Middle Egyptian kingdom. Let us start with the people around the king, because this was my subject of the PhD. So we had the king, evidently, who was the main or the most powerful person at the time in Egypt. And around the king, there must have been always, let's say, a group of 10 people who were very close to him. And these 10, about 10 people were the subject of my research. So the main person in almost all Egyptian history, the main person at the royal court next to the king is somebody, is somebody with the title Chati. Chati is an Egyptian word, and it's often translated as vizier. So, you know, vizier comes from the Arab world, from, from, from the Islamic world. So Egyptologists in the 19th century, they saw at the, at the court, several courts of Islamic, at, at several Islamic courts, there was next to the main person, to the sultan or whatever, the vizier. And they took this, this title vizier from the Arab world, from the Islamic world, and translated the main person of uh, an Egyptian administration next to the king, Chati, they are translated as vizier. And the vizier is a quite well-known person from the Egyptian New Kingdom, so about 
200 years after my research area, we have in several tombs of viziers, we have long inscriptions where the vizier proudly says what he what was his office, what he has to do. And so we know basically the vizier in a new kingdom, but most likely also in a middle kingdom. It seems that it didn't change very much. The vizier in the middle kingdom was basically the main person in charge of the administration. So he was on one side also the main judge of ancient Egypt. So if there was a main court case, a big case where they needed some kind of judge, the vizier was the person to do it. But he was also the administrator, the main person in charge of the of the provinces. So people from the provinces that came to to the palace, the vizier was in charge of it, and he was basically the chief or the head of all the other administrators, the other officials under him. And then the next person next to the vizier is was the treasurer. So it's a person, if you translate it, uh, the original translation, the, the word-by-word word translation would be overseer of the seal or, or overseer of the seal thing, things. And he was basically the person, the main person in charge of the palace as administrate, uh, as economical unit. So the palace, they needed food, they needed yeah, they, need, they, need, they needed food supply, they needed stones if they wanted to build something. So he basically was a, let's say, finance minister yeah. of ancient Egypt. Now, when I say finance minister, we have to think, see one very important difference to the modern world. The administration of the palace and the administration of the king was basically the administration of the palace. So the finance minister, the treasurer, was the, his main concern was basically the, the food supply for the palace. And if the king was building a temple or was building a pyramid, his burial place, the treasurer was the main person or one of the main persons in charge of this building project. But it's, it's, he was not interested of economy in our sense. So if people were, let's say, unemployed in, in one of the provinces, he didn't care. It was not <laughs> his thing. He was interested in the provinces to get stuff out of it, to get revenues out of the provinces. And the treasurer was then, so basically, the, the, the vizier was a person in charge of the legal things, also in, search, in charge of documents, so everything written down was very important. And the treasurer, the overseer of the seal, on the other side, was then most, the person most importantly in charge of the material things, of the treasury. So there must have been rooms, there must have been storerooms full of objects, not treasury, what we think are treasury. I don't think they were full of gold, but if they are, they are full of, of, of linen, for example, linen was very expensive in ancient time. It was very, it's not like nowadays where you have big factories where, where they produce very quickly fabrics. Linen was very 
very time-consuming. So if you went to an Egyptian treasury, you wouldn't find a lot of gold objects. You would find a lot of linen, for example, besides other objects. The treasurer, my God, responsible for this. And then the third person, which was also quite high at the royal court, was a high steward. High steward. And the high steward was slightly under the treasurer. And he was basically uh, responsible for the fields attached to the palace. So he made, he was responsible for the fields of the palace and therefore responsible that the king had enough to, enough to eat. And again, you can, you could vaguely translate him as agrarian minister, minister for, but it, it doesn't hit the point. He was, if there was a famine in the country, I don't think he would care so much. I mean, he would be worried that, that his, the revenues for the palace don't work, but it was not really his responsible. So the main focus of the palace administration, of the administration we see in the documents and the tombs and the stele was really bringing revenues bringing everything to the king, to the palace. And so, and then we had what I mentioned before, you had about 10 people around the, the, the king. So we had, for example, there was an overseer of troops. There was a man who was responsible for manpower, basically. It could, he could be an, a general overseer of army or troops, you can also translate as overseer of army, but he was also responsible for building projects. So he was responsible for a lot of men, and these men could be used for building projects, but evidently they could also be used for, mili for military action. Other people, what I mentioned before, there was a controller of the broad hall, where we don't have a clue what it is. <laughs> so we, we can just guess what the responsible of this person was. We have an overseer of the fields, where the title says this already. So he was responsible for the fields attached to the palace, where it is a little bit unknown or a little bit unclear how re his relation was to the high steward was attached to the also to the fields, to the domains, to the estate, which brought the food to the palace. But there was also an overseer of fields. So again, you see we have problems to identify the functions of officials. So I, let's say you have 10 people around the king with these titles. I have one guy I, I might mention. Then we have, an, we have the overseer of the enclosure. And the enclosure is a quite interesting uh, institution in ancient Egypt, especially in the Middle Kingdom. It was an uh, institution that organized callway work. You understand? Ooh. So once a year, everybody for a while, we don't know how long, but for a while, a lot of people had to work for the state. So they had to... And this is the overseer of the enclosure, was the main person at the palace organizing this corvée work, this work for this work people had to work for the palace, basically. So we know it, for example, from, from, from that these people worked at the pyramids of king, 
but we have the, the we also have a document of this core of this this uh, enclosure from this uh, institution where we have a list of people who were running away. So a lot of people were forced to work there and they didn't like it very much. <laughs> so we have a list of runaways of this uh, institution. But was, this was especially in the later Middle Kingdom, maybe not in the first half, but in the second half of the Middle Kingdom, one very important thing at the Royal Palace to organize this corvey work, this, uh, this work for where people of the population had to work for the king, for the state. We don't know how long they had to work. So we don't know if they were, had to work two weeks a year or maybe one year in their whole life. We don't know this. We don't know this. It's a little little bit like like the army in, in some countries now where people, young men, have to, 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 to serve one year in the army. So you can a little bit compare this to it. So. Mm. Sounds quite quite gruesome, and we don't know how it really worked, but might be less gruesome than it uh, sounds. Interesting. So we know that people were obviously possibly almost being conscripted to work at the palace. We're not sure how long or how bad it was or how good it was. But like you said, we know that there were uh, runaways. Do we know uh, anything about possible punishments that were given out for running away? The runaway, for the runaways, I mean, it's a scoreway system. The runaways, they might have worked far away from the palace on the fields attached to the palace, but in terms of location, quite far away from, there is quite hard punishment there, they're quite often, or there is a attestation that they locked up the family. So if somebody was running away and they couldn't hold get couldn't get hold of them, they locked up the fa his family. So they 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 basically blackmailed them, just to add all these high officials. Evidently, they had a staff of people working for them doing the daily task. For example, these famous scribes. Quite often, scribes. When you think about Egyptian administration, people would think about scribes. While the title scribe itself is not that common, so but a lot of people were involved in writing. So, out of curiosity, you had mentioned the man responsible for uh, manpower, and it could also be troops, for example. Would he uh, would he also be responsible if we had to guess for the pharaoh's bodyguard or palace security? Funny thing is, we have titles which sound so. We have a title follower. And I, uh, yeah, follower. But the problem is we don't have really title, which uh, 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 which where we are, can be sure that these are people, which are the bodyguards of the king. Okay. So we have some titles, which might be bodyguards of the kings. Honestly, I have to check in a dictionary to to try to tell you exactly which titles there are. Oh yeah, but but they're not that visible. They're not that visible. So at <laughs> the royal court, there is no non-title which where I would say straight away this guy was responsible for the security at the palace. I mentioned at the beginning the control of the broad hall. Maybe he was responsible for the uh, 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 for the security of the king, but we it's not that clearly written in the sources. It's a really interesting, funny thing. It's 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 
quite interesting, especially in the Middle Kingdom, if you go back to the Old Kingdom. You know the Old Kingdom where the great yeah. pyramids were built. And when you look there at the court, you have a lot of really important people with titles uh, connecting, di directly connected with the body of the king. So, for example, the hairdresser of the king was in the old kingdom in the time of, of the Great Pyramids, a very important person at the royal court. <laughs> and also there was a there was a title of, of somebody responsible for the nails of the king, so for the fingernails of the king. Oh, yeah. And this guy was very, very important in the old kingdom. But in the middle kingdom, my period, where we're talking now, these people are not there. I mean, they're, they're, I guess they existed, but they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're dropped in, in, in importance. So they're no longer that much visible as they're visible in the Old Kingdom, in, let's say, 500 years before. And, huh. But I said the, 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 the bodyguards of the king, there are some titles which might be bodyguards. The one is follower. Follower, yeah, okay. There's one follower who's very famous from an Egyptian uh, uh, narrative it's called Sinohe. And he is, this person in the Sinohe story, he is called follower. And it might be possible that he was a bodyguard of the king. But in mm. the end, it's nowhere stated. We don't know for sure for the Middle Kingdom. I have to be careful what I'm saying here. Oh, yeah. We don't know, for sure. We don't know for sure who were the bodyguards. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for watching this episode today. Dr. Grzegetsky took his time and really gave us an awesome introduction to a very complicated time period and also Egyptian administration, telling us what little bit we may know, what we don't know, and what we hope we will know in the future. Dr. Grzegetsky, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah.